Hello and welcome to my very first podcast called Where Media, where we look all over the place to try and find media uh, usage. Uh, for example, media usage in um, food, fitness, and all sorts of other categories. For my very first episode, I have a very special guest, uh, Dr. Jennifer Lynn Zavala, who works at an elementary school as a principal and is also my sister. So thanks a lot, sis, again, for agreeing to do the interview with me today. Um, We're going to explore um, media usage in learning uh, and see uh, the media that she she used in the beginning of her career uh the changes in media uh that that transpired during her career uh and the media that's being used um right now with uh COVID-19 going on and the types of media that she and her school will be using uh going forward post COVID-19 Without further ado, here's the interview. Enjoy. Okay, we're now live with Dr. Jennifer Zavala, a teacher extraordinaire, a principal now of an elementary school. What's the name of your elementary school again? Woodrow Wilson Elementary, and it's part of San Antonio Independent School District. Very impressive. Um, How long have you been working in education? This is, I'm starting my 12th year in education. Uh, How's it been? It's going well. Um, been a very different year to year, but very enjoyable. Uh, what was your first teaching job? My first teaching job, I was a biology and pre-AP biology teacher at South San. Oh, do you like teaching biology? I did. That was actually my undergrad um, major, and so it's um, something I enjoy very much. And so passing along that content knowledge to the students um, was very fun. Uh, what other positions have you uh, had since then? Um, so after that, I went to uh, Harlandale High School, and there I taught physics. I did. I taught there for about three and a half years. Um, two of those years, I was the department chair uh, for the science team, and so I oversaw about twenty um, something teachers that were in the science department. Um, from there, I was uh, hired as an assistant principal for an elementary um, within the same school district. And then, as of most recent, um, I am starting my third year as a principal, uh, but now for a San Antonio Independent School District. Wow, that sounds like you've had a lot of uh, staff um, un- under you for a while. Uh, what's it been like supervising um, all these teachers, these uh, uh, cleaning staff, um, contractors? What's it all been like for you? Well, there's definitely a managerial component to it, right? So making sure the logistics, the master scheduling, hiring, um, human resources pieces are all in place. Um, there's also the parent piece, right, where we're trying to do community outreach and family engagement. Um, but at the heart of it, it's, it comes down to instruction and making sure our students are getting quality instruction. So really working with the teachers to increase rigor, make sure that they're doing TEKS aligned lessons, um, and consistently checking for understanding to make sure that they're meeting their students' needs. I also um, taught at a university. I did a few courses there as well, so I did have some time to um, work with college students and so these were students that were aspiring to be uh, principals or administrators and so that in itself was also a great experience because I was able to share some of my um, experiences um, and tie it to the principal standards to prepare them for their journey into the same profession. Right, right. So it sounds like you never really ever stopped teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, So It also sounds like you're very passionate about teaching. So what uh, was it that made you want to be a teacher in the first place? So when I was in high school, I actually graduated valedictorian, but 
Um, I say that lightly because throughout my schooling experience, I wasn't really taught much. I remember going to my classes and we would watch movies, we would watch like documentaries, we would watch Junkyard Wars, we'd spend most of the time kind of goofing off, talking. I My only teacher that actually made an impact on me was my English teacher. And so, none, you know, when you're in high school, you're like, you know, it's all fine and dandy. And so I graduated, went to college, and when I took, you know, my first course in biology, I didn't even know what a cell was. I didn't know any type of processes involved in biology. So that was a really eye-opening experience. I had to work, you know, three, four times as hard as my peers just to catch up and be able to um, get a B or an A in my classes. And so that experience is what made me want to go into education. I did not want that to happen under my watch for any of my students or campuses that I would oversee. And so the best way to do that was to go into teaching. Yeah, definitely. Um, I forgot to mention this, but uh, you and I uh, are actually siblings. You're, uh, I'm your brother, of course. Mm. Um, so yeah, growing up, uh, I, re I also had a similar experience. And uh, just going back to college recently, um, I realized just how much I missed out on my high school education. So I'm, I'm really glad that to, to hear that, you're, that you experienced the same thing and that you actually uh, overcame it um during your first uh first few years of college so you know good job <laughs> um so what was it like when you first started to teach uh well biology um you know just like with when you start anything new it's there's always that initial challenge but as long as you enjoy and are passionate about what you do um you're gonna overcome those challenges and so um I know the content, I knew the content, but teaching it to someone is very different, right? And teaching it to the learning styles that, you know, every classroom is different, every student is different, um, and bringing in those hands-on experiences. I chose to work for Title I campuses that are um, um, Hispanic majority type of campuses um, because and that's more of my, my background. So, so Title I means that they're um majority economically disadvantaged so um there's i believe it's like 80 percent or 85 percent or more economically right, right. disadvantaged and so bringing those hands-on experiences to my students and labs and you know a lot although there was a lot of work put into it it was very rewarding because they were learning these pieces that i never had the chance to learn yeah so you, you did sounds like you wanted to go into an environment uh where kids were at disadvantage um somehow through poverty mm -hmm. um and uh, you wanted to go in there and really uh, make a difference for these kids um uh, am i am i correct when i say that yes because these are students that i could relate to right they were i was that student i i, I didn't want to work in a, a affluent school where you know some of these students already at, are at an advantage um i wanted to be somewhere where i could make more of a difference so um what have you learned along the way um since you've uh, started teaching um so like these these kids were at a disadvantage um and you say that you grew up like not really with a proper education to where you um you had to struggle a little more so what did you learn along the way to help make these uh, make the experience of education for these kids uh, a lot easier, uh, a lot better for them? Um, one of the key pieces is building relationships. So once the students see and feel that you care, that you truly genuinely care about about them, they're gonna do their very best for you, right? Um, the other thing I learned is I have to be flexible and adapt. So, you know, if a lesson's not going the way I want it to, or um, there's not that level of engagement I was anticipating, I have to be flexible enough to adjust in the moment um, to be able to provide what I need for my students. Um, and I would say overall, um, just making sure that every decision I make whether it was as a teacher, an assistant principal, or as, a, or as a principal now, every decision I make is always in the best interest of the student and our community. 
sometimes you know it's very easy to make a decision that benefits the adult the teacher the employee um, but that's the easy way out you know the more challenging route is what is truly in the best interest of the student and if you have that at the at the core of your decision no matter how challenging or difficult it's going to be to make it it's always going to lead you down the right path that's really awesome um so when you're it sounds like you you kind of had like towards the end there you sound like you you had to juggle a lot of things so you uh you can correct me if i'm if i'm wrong uh, when i describe the situation so it sounds like you might be in a position where you need to please well you need to please the the parents um the administrative staff your your staff uh and all at the same time you need to do what's best for for the the students the, the kids um so um i would say it's not so much um pleasing them but making them reflective so if there is something that a parent is wanting but it's not in the best interest of the student or a teacher is wanting but it's not in the best interest of the student then having them reflect by asking them open-ended questions um asking them questions that will kind of lead them down the path of the choice that would be in the best interest of the student. So there is there is a balancing, you know, sometimes you do have to find some middle ground. Um, but like I said, it's, it's always really, you know, trying to make that decision um, for the advancement of the student. Mm, amazing. Um, so um, with all that uh, in mind, um, what do you still enjoy about uh, being a teacher or principal the most? I would say um, when you see that the students are understanding what it is that you're trying to, to teach, the best practices, when you see their little eyes like very engaged, but you see that little light bulb turn on, and um, it's very rewarding because all of the hard work that you put into it is for that for them to become you know not just lifelong learners but to love um engaging with um the learning and reading and writing experience <clears throat> engaging in learning I and love even it. with the teachers i mean teachers are to a certain extent my students right so if i'm teaching them strategies and and best practices and then i walk into their classroom and i see them doing it and i see how um, it's impacting the students um you know but from a principal perspective um, that's also very rewarding <clears throat> and that's all really um it's really awesome to hear because um uh it sounds like you're you're, ge you're gearing your profession towards um, like there's a lot of stuff that you need to do sure a manager or teacher um, juggle like like we said juggling um, all sorts of things that you need to go through but in the end it sounds like your main focus is essentially at its foundation its core uh, to help the disadvantaged children um, so yeah we really I really appreciate um, that you're that that's your main focus. It's really, really amazing, really beautiful, even. Um. Uh, so. Now that we uh, we know who you are, uh, Doctor Savala, uh, educator extraordinaire. <laughs> um, let's go ahead and move on to uh our topic. So the reason why I wanted to speak with you today is because uh we um, I wanted to, look um, in the education the educational system that we have and see what kind of media we uh, we use to teach our children so um to let our listeners know uh what uh what i mean by media uh using it and learning um and education um three kinds of media is that we can easily categorize i'm sure there's more but we're going to focus on these three uh just to give you a, a brief understanding of media and learning so we have uh, traditional media. Uh, this would be your textbooks, overhead projectors, um, 
and of course our amazing teachers with their awesome lectures and lesson plans. Um, then we have electronical media. Uh, so this would be your iPads, your tablets, computers, um, apps that the teachers may use to uh, give the kids information like a lesson plan uh, through the internet or something. And then we have mass media uh, and education. So these would be your documentaries, um, your, your podcasts, your TV shows, uh, internet streaming services like YouTube, Netflix. So those kinds of, of things that would be mass media that would be incorporated in the classroom. Um, so yeah, uh, one point that I wanted to get across is that um, media is used very well, um, at least from my experience growing up, media is used um, a lot in the classroom. But um, ultimately, uh, through my research, I've, I found that um, it's very important to have the lesson plan established first, and then the media would be a way to kind of project that the information you're trying to give to the kids. So um, yeah, that's a quick introduction into uh, media used in learning. So, um, Dr. Zavala, um, what are the types of medias that you have been supplies when you started teaching? Well, when I was teaching, I mean, I did have a computer. I had a projector um, to display. Um, I did use some interactive websites. Um, I did um, videos. I taught students how to um, design a website. <clears throat> I'm using science content. Um, I would use PowerPoint quite a bit as well as Pressy. Um, and then of course we would do a lot of hands-on um, labs. We would do a lot of card sorts um, using uh, manipulatives um, to get the students to, to understand the concept. So like for example, um, I would create um, um, like we would make like a human DNA. So I would use different materials and like each fun. student was um, a representation of a different, of the of a component of DNA. And so we would do some activities like that so that um, that kinesthetic movement would help, um, help them remember the concepts. So that was me, as, like when I was teaching, I really didn't have like a very much access to very much electronic, um, media but we you know we used other other types of more concrete things to to get the message to the students concrete so like uh like actual manipulatives we'd use microscopes we do labs we do actual dissections um card sorts i print sets of things um they created um i used um those um the pipe cleaners and they created different um the different process of the different steps for uh, mitosis and meiosis and so the students had to put that together um they uh, i created enzymes using um models of enzymes using um those water noodles yeah and so they would have to put some of those together and then um, describe um what the functionality of it was based on how they how, how they fit together um they created models of um, neurons. I mean, we would use a lot more of that um, concrete, hands-on type of materials to put um, for them to get the understanding of the concepts. Uh, it sounds like this might have been um, a, a lot of your creativity. Um, so, did did you come up with this stuff on your own, or was there some kind of like guide to help you make get these con these concrete? Uh, um, activities set up for your kids um it was a combination some of you know some of it was through trainings I went to trainings and they you know you had teachers um from across the city or across the straight the state um different conferences that I would go to and then I would pick and choose which ones I thought was most engaging for the students and if I didn't have those exact materials um then I would just go out and buy um similar materials that would allow me to put those kits together um and then I would just, you know, on my own look up stuff online that other, you know, other teachers might have already created and get ideas from there. But my, my main goal was to make it concrete for the student. You know, science in itself is a very abstract um, subject. 
And so um, the more um, concrete and hands-on I could make it, I felt the students would have a better understanding of it. <clears throat> right, concrete. So like, you hold it in your hands and it, it feels more real because when you try to explain uh, a cell, uh, there's a lot of information, a lot of steps, mm-hmm. the the chromosomes, uh, like how they're they're set up in the in in the cell, the DNA, the nucleus. There's a mm-hmm. lot of stuff going on, so it's a lot. It's really hard to grasp uh, that. So uh, you actually touch on a subject that I want to get with you uh, later on, which is really cool. Um, but um, during your time when you first started teaching, uh, did you have like some kind of wish list, like you were? Like you saw other teachers from other school districts with these amazing uh, pieces of equipment, uh, be it textbooks or computers or tablets. Like what? Like what made you like? Like what was it that made you think that? Oh, I wish I had that for my kids. Um, I would say um, because I mean I was teaching science, um, being able to buy some of the kits already pre-made that have all the materials that go with it would have been great. Um, because we didn't have that type of funding. I would um, create a lot of makeshift type of kits. So, you know, I would go out and buy materials and, and create them. And that was very time consuming um, and could get a little pricey. But, um, I mean, it's the best way for students to learn. Um, and then, of course, if we had more computers that were, or tablets, that would have been great too. Because um, a big part of learning science is doing some research yourself. Um, and doing those like interact there's a lot of interactive um, websites too and so you know we were very limited in how many students could actually take part in that because we only had a couple computers per classroom cool so it sounds like you like your focus was uh, to stick to concrete, but there was also stuff out there that would have been useful for the little ones to help them learn mm-hmm. um, certain concepts. Um, maybe at, maybe at home where they didn't have access, like didn't have all the stuff that they had at school, uh, the concrete stuff, but like like a, a computer or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, what media um, are you using now, or not you? Because you, you're a principal now. So, what Media oh my gosh, like now, I mean, in the era of COVID, right, post-COVID, um, I feel like my school district has gone above and beyond getting um, media for the access for the students, for the parents, for the teachers, and for myself. Every single student has their own Chromebook. They have their own head wow. headset piece that has um, a microphone to it. Any parent that needed internet, the school purchased hotspots. Um, so if you had a family, um, you could use up to three students per hotspot. If you had a bigger family of four or five students, then you get two hotspots. So um, providing access, first and foremost, I think the, the district has done a phenomenal job. Um, teachers have their laptops, um, and plus we have our, our we also have iPads and stuff at the, at the campus. Um, but um, Let's start with like the parents. So for example, if we're trying to get information out to parents, my entire campus uses an app called Remind. We researched and we, we um, voted on different ones. We had, there's Class Dojo, um, there's Class Tag, but we decided to go with Remind um, because it doesn't have um, uh, advertisements. Um, there's like a lot of benefits to it. So we, we chose that one. Um, so if any information needs to go out, uh, we send it out through Remind. And so the parents, um, you can send it out to uh, all the parents, you can send it to individual parents. If parents respond, other parents won't see it. It's only like a personal message to the teacher. Another way we get information out to parents is through a, a messenger, pens messenger system. So this sends out voice calls, text messages, emails, based on the database that we have. And then of course we have Facebook and we have our website. Um, but now we also have Zoom sessions and Zoom trainings for parents. And so we go over some of the resources that we're, the students are currently using and teach the parents how to support their, their, their child. Um, we have e-flyers that go out and those you know go out through Remind and Pens. But then we also have something called a S'more, which I really love. Um, because the S'more, it's like a newsletter. It's a virtual newsletter. Um, but... 
it, it's it's kind of like publisher but it's so easy to use um you can add pictures you can add links you can add buttons you can add we we highlight um um teachers we highlight um you know uh, parents um we send out pictures you can add videos on there like we made our own videos on some of the safety practices that we're doing on the campus and we added a, a button for that so it's a really great way to get quick access to information for parents um as a principal well actually now let's jump to like students and teachers so the district purchased a platform called canvas and so on canvas um you, the teachers create course cards and within there, um, you can basically house so many different programs. It's like a one-stop shop. Anything you wanna um, link on there, just about anything you wanna link on there um, is accessible. So one of the downsides, we used to use the Google Classroom, but the downside to Google Classroom is it, it doesn't always link to everything. So the students would have to go to Google Classroom for some material, but then go to other websites for other material. Whereas Canvas, you can house all of those programs in one so that was really awesome um so the other major um website that the district has purchased and used and we've been using this for a long time it's called single sign-on so every student's given a sign a sign-in um username and a password and so when the students log on to single sign-on it opens up all of the district purchased applications and they don't have to individually log into each one of them. By logging into the single sign-on class link, um, all of the apps appear and then they just click on it and it goes automatically into it. It's like a one-stop shop for logging into all of these apps. Yes, you don't have to log into everything individually. You, you log in once and now you have access to everything that's under your account. So that's really, it's so easy to use because um, I mean, you're talking about kindergarten students. Every time yeah. you go into a different application, they would have to type in the information. <laughs> and so with a single sign-on, they don't. Every, or with Canvas, they don't because it's already linked on there. Um, the other thing about about it is that the teachers with, with a single sign-on, um, you can print out um, class cards. And so what it does is it prints out a QR code. And so the little ones... I mean, kindergartners are learning their letters. Now you want each one of them to log in. It's going to take a while, right? So um, they print out these little QR codes and they just hold it up to the to the camera of the Chromebook. It scans it and it automatically opens up the laptop for them and it takes them to the single sign-on and boom, they have access to everything. I bet the parents must be extremely... I want to say freaked out, but they must be extremely <laughs> surprised every time they see their their little tiny one. Not uh -huh. not even like a an elementary student, but a kindergartner mm -hmm. getting the QR uh, QR card and then scanning it into the device they by themselves. It. Yeah, they'll learn it. They they <laughs> That's awesome. They get it. They, and then once they're in, they know how to access all of their applications and and get into where they're supposed to. Um, so within Canvas and within the single sign on, of course. Um, teachers have um, Google PowerPoints, they have Flipgrid. Flipgrid is a really cool one because student-to-student um, -student communication is very important. We do a lot of peer conversation strategies to encourage academic students using academic vocabulary. But now in time of COVID, the students can't get within six feet of each other, right? And if they're at home doing remote learning and talking to peers, it's kind of difficult also. So what they do is the teachers will give the students tasks and then the student records themselves using a Flipgrid, the Flipgrid app. Then they upload the Flipgrid app and they watch each other's Flipgrids and respond um, with another Flipgrid. Um, so for example, let's say um, I asked you to, um, let's say you were covering uh, uh, um, persuasive, um, persuasive writing, right? And so you're trying to persuade me to purchase something or whatever. So um, in one of the flip grids, the students were made a commercial. And so they were trying to sell Ki whatever product Kindergartners. It was. Uh, well, I think this was a second grade classroom. Well, that's still pretty impressive. <laughs> With kindergarten, <laughs> they use something called Seesaw, but I'll tell you about that one in a minute. Okay. Um, Flipgrid um, has been used by second grade and up mostly. Um, but then they respond to each other um, with that same programming. Seesaw is something that's used more so for the um, pre-K, kinder, and first grade students. And with this one, students can also, the teacher will post an assignment 
um, it's interactive. Um, the students learn how to move. I mean, with kindergarten, they're still building the fine motor skills. And so even teaching them how to use a mouse or the little keypad and moving things, you know, was a challenge initially. But once they learn it, um, they're able to navigate the seesaw all on their own. And so um, the teacher can record her, her directions, like with her voice, or put a video of herself giving directions and modeling. And then the student can even do an oral response. They know they learned how to record um, and provide some responses that way using Seesaw. Pierce, in my view, is the reading um, uh, books that we purchased, but there's a lot of online. It's basically all online as well. Um, Cami is a program that the teachers use. So if it's a PDF, um, the students can still write um, on top of the PDF and submit their assignments that way. Um, they test through a program called Eduphoria. Um, so on there, um, they basically, they can do their strategies, they can highlight, they can underline, they can um, justify, and then they can put in their responses and it automatically grades it and provides data for the teachers. We do this through Zoom. Some of the online, um, the major online, um, I don't call them, they're not games, I mean, it, it's, to the student, it looks like a game, um, but they're really um, like learning tools for the students. We have Imagine Math, um, which of course is for math, and then we have iStation, which is for reading. Um, the nice thing about those is that it's an online program where they do an initial test, a pretest, and it, it, it tells you what level you're in reading you're in or what level in math you're in, and that's where it starts you. It gives you like a little mini lesson, you do the practice like if it's a game like an aptitude test or something um well the pretest is like it the pretest tells okay. you like you test and then it tells you where level you're in like maybe your math level um for a specific standard is you're at a um, adding um double digit numbers and then from there it builds you all the way up to where you're supposed to be right um and so from um, so those are really good because it, it differentiates for the students based on where they are with their math and their reading skills. And then there's also RAS Kids, and RAS Kids is more for the little ones. That's more of a phonics-based um, program. So it teaches the students, uh, it starts more like with um, sound letter recognition, um, word families, and then it builds the students up from there. But again, all of, they're all... Like the student gets into these and they see the little less mini lessons, but then they play games with the concepts that they just learned. Um, and then as a principal, I mean, I use the I use a lot of these applications as well. But on top of that, we have these big platforms that house information. Like for example, we have something called Performance Matters. So I um, do my walkthroughs and evaluations through that program. And so teachers will see what I write based on the observations that I've made. I use the Google Shared Drive. That's how I communicate with my entire campus. Um, um, we have another program called Frontline that houses our hiring, um, our special needs um, documentation, dyslexia. It houses um, attendance, grades. Um, it has a lot of different things on there. And then um, there's also something called Connect 20, and that's our link to Region 20. So Region 20 is the um, um, education center that oversees Bear County. And so whenever we do trainings or I need to send teachers to professional development, um, that's the, the programming we, that we use to um, get teachers to sign up and register and keep track of their certifications. So I mean, those are just some examples, but there's so many more. I mean, there's Brain Pop, um you they do youtube videos um there's a Estrellita. it's another type of program but um and that's more so for like the pre-k kinder students but overall at the base of it you the teachers have to look at their standard right their teaks um and what has to be taught by the end of their unit or their lessons what is it that they that the students need to learn all of these different medias you don't pick the media and then embed the teak into it. You look at the teak, you, de you deconstruct the teak, understand what the students really have to master by the end of your lesson, and then you choose the media that's, gonna, that's the best tool for them to um, 
gain that concept, understand that concept. Um, so for our listeners, uh, can you can you explain what TEAK is? So um, um, TEAKs stand for Texas Essential Knowledge and Skills, and that's basically um, our curriculum, right? So it's all the standards for every every grade level has a stand has standards by content. So uh, in kindergarten. Um, for math, there's a TEAK in there that tells you like students have to be able to count um, to 100. They have to be able to skip count by fives and tens at any given number. They have to be able to, um, um, for like for reading, they have to be able to tell you certain genres. So every, every it's the, basically the standards of right. what exactly should the student know by the time they're done with kindergarten. Wow. Or by the time they're done with first grade. So... Uh, it sounds like the the state, the school district, the county, the city, it sounds like everyone really came together and created this crazy, comprehensive, yet still somehow organized uh, system of apps, software, hardware, and made it all somehow work for millions of kids uh, just in Bear County. Um, to be able to still continue education outside of the classroom. And it it makes it seem like it's been working really well so far because um, uh, a lot of our listeners are college students and um, we, like not even we have these kinds of standards for our education. Uh, we're we're kind of just like limited to Canvas and that's really it. It sounds like the school went the it sounds like the school districts uh, went above and beyond to really get everything that the kids needed to help them continue their education um, mm-hmm. at home mm-hmm. yes um, you know a lot of these programs and softwares most of these already existed but we just you know there isn't as big of a push to pay for them, right? Like the funding right. that goes into it. Um, but now, you know, and even teachers, you know, you have a generation of teachers who are very tech savvy, but then you also have other teachers who, you know, can navigate through an email, but that's about it. <laughs> and so this really forced everyone to come together and learn the technology um, and put these lesson plans together. It's a work in progress, you know. Um, I can't say that every lesson is a masterpiece right now because we're learning, um, the teachers are learning the programs, they're learning how to get students to um, engage using some of our best strategies, but through a Zoom, right? You know, like I said earlier, like student-to-student communication, you can do that very easily in a cl- in, a, in a, what was the traditional classroom, right? Turn to your partner, this is a sentence stem I want you to use, so on and so forth. But now how do you do that through a Zoom, you know? So yeah. so it's definitely a learning process. Um, we take it day by day, but, at, um, you know, it's always every day is better. We're pushing to get better every day. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Really, really good work um, you, you're doing. Um, and as a principal, I imagine um, you're like right in the middle of it. So, you know, really good on you for uh, sticking sticking through it. Um, appreciate that. And I'm sure if the, the parents out there uh, would, would probably appreciate your work too. Um, so yeah, COVID's huge. And um, I, I guess this, uh, if you look at the silver lining, this kind of this puts you in the cusp of a transitional period where you're going from what was an underfunded um school uh educational assist or at least they they weren't giving you the stuff that that you have now so um you're transitioning to it and now you're, you're like right in the middle of it so all this new this new software these apps all these this hardware that that they've that they've given you access to um so what um compared to what was before what you started off with as a as a teacher um all the stuff that you've experienced now what do you think has worked better um compared from like the stuff before to what like you basically you've gone from like minimal um minimal 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 uh, support to like maximum support Mm -hmm. so what do you think has worked uh throughout your experience especially now with the covid transition i think 
that there has to be a balance. I think n neither extreme is ideal for learning, <laughs> right? Because we have some students who are not su as successful with 100% digital, right? They're, um, it's not particularly their learning style. Um, they're more like, they need more of that concrete, you know, actually holding a book and reading and actually moving physical um, manipulatives for, to learn how to count, how, learn how to multiply. Um, so we have to be able to do both. So I'm looking forward to post, post, post COVID and seeing how we can really weave both together, um, for our kinesthetic learners and, um, for our digital learners, you know, it's great that we have all these resources because, you know, technology is the future the, the students need to learn if, um, how to, create PowerPoints and how to, you know, create or navigate websites and apps and whatnot and programming, but they also have to be able to hold books and, 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 um, you know, learn math through actual concrete, um, usage of materials. So I think once we can, we've, we've learned the technology, we, we've learned the technology piece. We've learned the, the kinesthetic concrete piece. Um, now it's the future is weaving them together. And, and, and you, it's like you mentioned before, um, you uh, even though you have all access to all this amazing stuff now, um, you, you said that um, that as the teachers fundamentally need to follow. Uh, forgive me if I'm pronouncing the abbreviation incorrectly. Text, text, mm. text. Teeks, well, it's pronounced either way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they, they still need to follow that, that basic uh, fundamental rule, mm -hmm. uh, standard from the, the state. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, even though you have all this stuff, the, the standards essentially need, need to still be there. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really cool that, we're, we're, that you're able to kind of like test, test the waters on everything. And, but like ultimately, uh, the, the concrete media, is, it still has a very important role to play in education, mm -hmm. uh, pre-COVID, during COVID, and post-COVID. post, post -COVID. <laughs> um, So, yeah, there was some other stuff I wanted to ask you, but I, I guess COVID kind of takes the spotlight on everything, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. um, so, um, yeah, so what has, what have been some of the, the biggest, um, The biggest challenges actually never mind let's scratch that one um, right so I guess um, just just to pull the conversation away from from COVID-19 um, so right COVID-19 has definitely been one of the hardest well I imagine it's been the hardest transition for you as a as an educator with all this new media that you're having to use to teach the little ones uh, but um, what has probably well, I guess to make everything a little a little lighter uh, what has been the the easiest transition for you so far um, I think the Teachers already know best practices, um, unless it's like a, a new teacher or someone new to a grade level, you know, they have a good understanding of the state standard and they know how to teach. They know how to execute a lesson. Um, so that makes that part a little bit easier. Um, it's just what, um, which tool is best now um, that we're at a, you know, 100% digital time um for the students to learn it that's the challenging part but the easy part is like they know their standards they know good teaching they have the hearts they have the dedication they want to they put the time in they put the effort in they work as a team they collaborate and they're truly doing their best i truly believe that they're they're working hard and doing their best um so that's the easier part yeah <laughs> you got good people working for you yeah <laughs> um so yeah um as far as as media goes um 
so after all this craziness is over um what do you what do you see your like what would you have your teachers use more frequently once kids are back in the classroom as a as a media um so what are things that you that you'd want to keep and what are things that you'd want to take out Mm -hmm. and what are things that you might want to add bring back um um i would say i mean if we could bring all our students back there would be no need for zoom anymore definitely Um, the kids (laughs) yes but um you know, a lot of the applications are really great. Still keeping Flipgrid, still keeping Seesaw, um, still um, uh, utilizing Canvas to submit assignments and do work because the students do need to learn how to type. They need to learn how to um, navigate the web and navigate. And, and you know, yes, students know technology just from like playing on their phones and playing their games, but do they know how to? research something do they know how to um, um, sort through information and pull what's um, useful to to make connections um, so you know any plot anything that would um, any of these media components that would help with with their um, supporting their teaks and what the content objectives are um, would be great so like I said it has to be a blend you know going to an extreme and using 100% manipulative and and kinesthetic and concrete or 100% digital it's not where most students are most students are somewhere in the middle and they need both to get through life yeah definitely and it kind of goes back to what you said in the beginning um, like we we grew up in the same household, right? We went to similar schools, uh, schools that were very impoverished, um, very small, very rural. They didn't have a lot of uh, a lot of the support that that we could have had. So, um, like we when we went to college, we we had to learn a lot of the stuff on our own. Be it how to write an essay, how to format MLA. Like uh, um, a lot of our, our listeners are college students, right? So they they need to learn how to format MLA, AP, uh, APA, um, and all a lot of other stuff. Uh, so it's it's really it's really awesome to hear that like even even now the the fundamentals are still there like where you're in it to help the little the little ones uh, receive an awesome education and um the media that they're giving you now uh, seems to be working for you and i'm really glad to hear that you're that it's it's been working for you so far so uh yeah that's that's been amazing jennifer um so yeah we touched on everything i wanted to talk about pretty much um so uh thank you so much for uh for interviewing with me today uh i know you're busy uh you work tomorrow i believe (laughs) and thanks for being an awesome sister awesome teacher uh awesome mom and um for all of our listeners out there if you see a teacher or anybody working for the school district uh, don't give him a hug because we're still in COVID mode, but <laughs> just thank him from a distance. <laughs> Y'all, thank you. Uh, you're doing a good job. <laughs> All right, Jen, thank you so much. And that was Dr. Jennifer Lynn Zavala. Uh, thanks again, sis, for agreeing to do the interview with me today. Uh, we definitely covered a lot of ground, uh, a lot more than what I expected. Uh, but yeah, it was pretty interesting to hear that, um, despite all the technology that we have that's available to her, uh, staff right now, um, she still believes that a a mixture or a balance of, uh, concrete items and, uh, technology Uh, catering to uh, individual students is what works best uh, when it comes to relaying the message from um, the lesson plans from her teachers. One thing that's worth noting 
is the the fact that um, a lot of these technologies were uh, available to um, school districts, but the only thing that was holding them back was uh, funding for them. So that was a, a bit of a surprise for me uh, to find out that they were always there, but we just never really got around to funding the school uh, the schools for the technology that really helped these kids out um and it took a, a pandemic uh to completely shake up the school system the school systems and uh, i guess force them to start paying attention to the technologies the applications available and implement them so that kids can have a, a chance to learn from home. It, it's amazing that we have, that we can do this and we were, were able to fund it, but it's, it's still kind of disheartening that it took a pandemic to, to really um, make it happen. Another thing that surprised me was the fact that there's a bunch of tiny little kindergartners uh, out there uh, with the QR code, scanning it into their Chromebook and pulling up all their schoolwork, all those apps, and just handling it all by themselves. <laughs> I think that's uh, really, really cute and, and a little funny. All right, I think I'll end it there. Uh, thanks so much for listening to where media where we look for media uh, all over the place and now a word from our sponsors times sure have changed since thomas edison and the gramophone uh back then apparently you needed to use some kind of cylinder shaped thing connected to this contraption called the gramophone and magically record uh, audio with uh, with that. Uh, luckily, we've come a long way, and these days, all you really need to do to record audio is a phone or a tablet. And with uh, Anchor, uh, which is what we're using right now, uh, you can record a podcast, uh, edit it, and publish it, with sponsors on site. The app is free to download on the App Store. Uh, you can also do remote uh, uh, collaboration with friends, families, coworkers, all that good stuff. Again, the name of the app is Anchor, uh, free to download again. And thank you so much. Test, one, two, three, test, one, two, three.